You are listening to a message from Praise Community Church in York, Pennsylvania. We hope that the message today encourages you to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus. We are glad you can join us and we would love to get to know you. Please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram or visit praiseyork.com. Here's today's message. All righty. Thank you so much for your uh, generosity. I, I, I want to, uh, before we get going, if there's, a, a, if there's kids here under the age of nine, would you guys just stand up for me quick? If you're under the age of nine, would you guys go ahead and stand up? Don't be shy. Yeah, thank you guys. We, we want to we bless these children. And so if you're, if you're the parent and you're near them, would you just go ahead and lay hands on them? Let's just pray for them. So Father, we just, we just thank you and we pray that these young little girls and boys would hear your voice, do your will, know your word, that they grow up to just be powerhouses in relationship with you. We pray for their future spouses, that their future spouses would know you, have relationship with you, and also do your will. And we just thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I am so glad to have them in here. Uh, at the same time, my kids aren't, which I'm excited about because the youngest can really army crawl probably the whole way across the room and uh, <laughs> under the chairs. I want to just talk to you guys about, about Christmas. I, I was a, an, an art major in college, and we, so we had to study a lot of paintings. And of course, uh, the, the mother and child of, of Mary and Jesus was often a painting that we had to paint. And the, the way they were often painted is there was a halo ar- around both of them. And I remember looking at paintings earlier on, or nativity scenes, and they just seemed like a very, very holy moment. And I always saw that, and I don't know about you guys, but I always felt very distant from that moment in the sense that, well, those, those people are special. They, ma- they made special decisions in their life, and they're kind of saints, and they're just kind of far removed from who I am. And the more that I, that I read um, the, the Christmas Eve, I'm sorry, the, the Christmas story in the Bible, the more I'm beginning to understand that these, this was a, a man and a woman who had a relationship with the Lord. This isn't the first rodeo they had with him. Because how many of you guys know that the Bible says that those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much? How many of you guys know that Mary was trusted with much? So there was a phase in her life where she was trusted with little. So he didn't just dump this on her. This was something that she had been stewarding her whole life. And so let's just real quick look at Luke. It says this, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So back in those days, they, didn't, they, they weren't dating, they were betrothed to one another. And I know we're not used to that in this culture, but these two were arranged to be married together. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, favored one, the Lord is with you. We also know this about scripture. If, if somebody has favor with God, that means they must be what? Humble. They're humble, right? So Mary has a history of being humbled. And in fact, her name in heaven isn't married, it's favored one. That's her name. And that's how she's known. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month. I think that's so cool that this angel would bring news of another pregnancy. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a guy. And when I don't tell my wife about somebody being pregnant, I get in trouble. <laughs> Did you guys, does anybody else experience that? They, she always says, did you know so-and-so was pregnant? And I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, that's just not what I'm thinking about. I don't know. <laughs> but I love that the angel is actually laying out a place for her to get confirmation about what she just experienced. Because how cool is that, that she's going to go to her, her um, to Elizabeth and have a conversation and find out she is six months pregnant. Isn't that cool? Isn't the Lord kind? Because if I was married, I think I'd be tempted to be like, okay, what was that? For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the Lord's bondservant. She had not practiced this speech. This wasn't something that she had prepared beforehand. This is who she has become in a process with the Lord, a bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. The great privilege that she gets to carry is actually, in society's eyes, something that you'd be stoned for in that culture. And she gets to bear the weight of that and find out what gets to happen, but she doesn't consider her own life. She only considers that the Lord has asked her to do something, and now she's going to carry it. Joseph isn't just along for the ride. He actually has a lifetime of being obedient to the Lord because we know that, that they were betrothed together, so there's a reason why he's involved. It says, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man, did you guys catch that? So he, he's had a, how does someone become uh, righteous? Well, they're in relationship with the Lord. So this man has been walking with the Lord. Now, if your wife, betrothed wife, ends up pregnant before you guys are together, how many of you guys know that that actually brings shame on the family? For him to not get justice is to actually bear the shame himself. But because he's righteous, he's saying, send her away quietly, which goes to show you the kind of man that he is. He planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the, Lord, of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep. This wasn't an angelic encounter. This was a dream. And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So what Joseph has to confirm the dream is a 50-50 chance that the, 
the son is going to be a son, and also the confirmation of what Mary's story is. And when you hear this story, it's almost like, wow, their responses are just too good to be true, but I'm telling you, they were involved in a process well before this moment ever came. Have you guys ever heard of, uh, it's a phrase called anchor bias. Anchor bias is a bias that we tend to have whenever we hear something first. That's what we tend to believe, whether we have evidence for it or not. And then we'll begin to conceptualize what we first heard and make all the facts turn into what, what that initial thing was, what that anchor was. And what I end up doing in my mind with Christmas is I do this thing in my mind where I'm like, I think I've been doing this, this Christmas Eve service when I didn't make Brian do it. I think Brian did it for two or three years. This is probably like the 17th time that I've done a, a Christmas Eve service. And so I often return to this story. And I don't know, I'm just going to confess this as a pastor. I often don't read this story unless it's Christmas time. Right? I love, I love the life of Jesus. I love the teachings of Jesus. And when I, when I read this story and I read the decisions that people made, the story continues. God shows up in the lives of shepherds through an angelic encounter. They show up. Three wise men, through their lifelong process, have discerned when the, where the Messiah is going to be. They actually bring gifts. The story doesn't end there. Herod actually tries to end up trying to kill Jesus. Mary and Joseph go on the run down to Egypt, and they actually have the money that the wise men brought to sustain them while they're down there, because family was everything, and they didn't have any. And so the story just doesn't end here. It actually continues. But what I've become more interested in is not having a distance between Joseph and Mary and the partakers of the nativity scene, but actually helping people understand that Jesus responded to us because we were in trouble and he came and died for our sins. Mary and Joseph responded to the call that God had for them. We are now responding to the fact that he's come. And now the question becomes, what are we going to do with our lives now that he's already made himself known? And the opportunity that Joseph and Mary had is the same opportunity that we all have in this room today. What I mean by that is how many of you guys understand that when Mary and Joseph stand before the Lord one day, he most likely is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that a sweet saying? Well done, good and faithful servant is, means that they did a job well done, that morally the inward reality of them was that they were good. Faithful, they actually stewarded what they were given. And servant is actually a position or a posture that they took in humility. All four of those things are actually our responsibility. And I want to read a story now about a teaching that Jesus said about the day when we can hear that too, if that's all right with you. And the kids in this room, you're being so good. Isn't that amazing? Proud of you guys. Jesus often taught on two things. He taught on judgment day and he taught about the kingdom. Those are the two parables that he often told. And I want to read one of those parables to you right now. It says this, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. How many of you guys know that we're about to light candles at the end of this service? Have you guys been to one of these before? And you might say, well, why do we do that? Well, the church I grew up in, we always sang silent night at the end of the service. And so, so that's why we do it. All right. <laughs> and one of the things that we're all going to be expected to steward are these candles, and we're not going to drip wax on these chairs. Is that right? 
as I said that in the first service, when I grabbed the candle off the uh, table, I lifted it up and wax just spilled down my arm and all over the carpet. So be more careful. <laughs> I've done things that, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins. So Jesus is telling you this parable. Who's this parable meant for? Real quick, is it meant for Christians or non-Christians? Christians. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus, and Jesus is teaching. And who's he teaching? His followers. So we're meant to hear this parable. And the parable is actually a warning. And how many of you want to, don't mind chewing on one on Christmas Eve? Amen. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were prudent. How can you guarantee that you're a fool in the Bible? You say in your heart that you are wise. So if you think that you are wise, according to the Bible, you are a fool. That's the surefire way to be foolish. And when you read parables like this, if you say, well, I'm, I'm the one who's wise you got to be really careful. Who's Jesus warning, Christians or non-Christians? Christians. Non-Christians don't read the book. Did you guys know that? And the reason why these 10 virgins are going out to meet the groom is because in that day, if, if a groom was coming, he'd come and he'd propose to his bride and they were engaged and then he'd go away and he would build a room on his father's house and then on a day not specified, he would come back. His, his knowing would be made known. He would send a messenger in front of him. And that would awaken the, the bridesmaids to actually light lamps, especially when it was night, to light the way back to the bride's house or the future bride's house. And to be invited to partake in this was a great honor. And if there's one thing that you didn't want to mess up, it was this day. Because this day is very important. Five of them were foolish and five of them were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them. This is what I would like to say about this. And this is the anchor bias that we see in Christianity today. A lot of people think it was about starting the journey. Jesus always spoke about finishing it. Big, big, I mean, the biggest difference you could possibly imagine is that when you came to Christ, the people that brought you to Christ were most likely evangelists, and amen for evangelists, and we love them, but they emphasized the beginning, right? And the beginning is important. But how many of you guys know it's very important to finish? But the prudent ones took oils, oil and flasks with their lamps. So a lamp, a, a lamp back then was like this little small, like genie in the bottle kind, kind of looking lamp, right? And they would light the way to the bride's house. And some of them brought extra oil. And I think that's interesting because some people said to themselves, no matter what it's going to cost me, I'm going to participate in this, even if I have to burn through everything I have. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm coming and I'm coming prepared. And I'm prepared for this to take a long time. But five showed up with just a certain amount. But the prudent ones took oil in flasks. 
with their lamps. Now, while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. So I don't know how much oil you can fit in a flask. I don't know how big the flask was, if it was like a vase or a flask or whatever. But I do know that it's bigger than a lamp. But at midnight, there finally was a shout, behold the groom, come to meet him. So this is the messenger that goes before the groom. And when you heard the messenger yell, behold the groom is coming, guess what you did? You lit your lamp. And then you were able to light the way to the bride's house. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, give us some of your oil. I'd like to, to just speculate a little bit here that the foolish ones thought, I'd, I've done this before. I know how this works. I get it. I've heard the message. I've been here before. I know how this all goes. And what I currently have is enough. The wise ones said, I don't know what this is going to look like. Although maybe I have been involved in a wedding before. I don't know if this wedding is going to be the same. I better come prepared and remain prepared. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. However, the prudent ones answered, no, there most certainly would not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But the, while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Yet later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Isn't that serious? Besides the pageants, pageantry of the nativity scene, besides the, the paintings and the, the figurines and, and all that stuff, the story doesn't end there. It continues, and then the story comes back on you with the gospel and says, now what are you going to do? This is what they did, but what are you going to do with what it is that Jesus has come and given to you? I was sharing this with my children, and I said, what do you think this means to you? And the six-year-old looked at me and said, when God closes the door, he opens a window. <laughs> and I was like... No. <laughs> I said, I love it, but that's not a Bible verse. <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Do you think there's a sentence that's more important than that, that you would ever hear in your whole life? Jesus says this, I love you, amen. Now, what are you going to do with that and his demonstration of that? And how are you going to steward it in your life? How are you going to take the posture of a humble servant? How are you going to be faithful with what it is that he's given you? How are you going to be in proximity and relationship to him, so close to him that you actually can be said that you are good, right? And to actually present a life that's been well done. Because how many of you guys know that your life actually isn't your own? It's been purchased by him. So this, this whole thing is his. And one day you get the, the pleasure to present it back to him and say, this is what you purchased. 
Is that intense? But don't get lost in the pageantry. Understand that he is actually calling you in the same way that he called Mary and Joseph in relationship to him to have yourself here, well done, good and faithful servant. And to hear that, guess what you have to do? A job well done, be in proximity to him. Be faithful with what it is that he's given you and take the position of a servant. In the same way Mary did, I'm your bond servant, do to me as you wish. Every single one of us are called to the same thing that they were called to. I know you might not be able to see the halo around your head like we see in the paintings, but that's exactly what you're called to. And it's very intense. And as I, I got a little bit emotional this morning, and if I get a little bit of emotional, God's moving in mighty ways, okay? And what I was thinking about is I was looking around the room, because as a pastor, you hear the stories of the people that are in the room. You watch them walk through tragedy. You watch them walk through trials. You watch what the Lord does in the midst of that and how they come out even more like him. You watch these little kids grow up into big kids, as you saw some of them that were up here on the stage. And it's an absolute pleasure to walk in community with a group of people that want to hear the same thing one day, well done, good and faithful servant. It's an absolute privilege. And I love it. And on Christmas Eve, as we give thanks to him for coming and demonstrating who God is, it is now our privilege to do the same thing. It's to demonstrate who God is. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up. Heather, I'm glad you're here. I thought I was going to have to do it. You can do it. I was going to. I might, I might surprise you guys and come in on the fourth verse in my mic and uh, s- sing harmony with Heather. So in um, John 3, it talks about Jesus. It actually refers to him as a light. And the light has come into the world. And it says, but men love darkness. Because they were afraid that the light was going to expose who they are. But those who did life with God actually run towards the light. And it's not about, it's, it's not about, we, we, we so make this life sometimes about us and where we're at and what it is that we've done or haven't done or any of that. It's about understanding he loves you. And, and the Bible talks about walking in the light. It's, it's walking exposed in front of him and saying, hey, this is where I'm currently at in the process. And I know you love me. And I'm, and I'm here and I know that you're going to sh- form me. You, you promised me that you would finish this good work. And you're going to mold me and shape me into the person that I'm meant to be. And I understand that I'm only in a process on my way there, but you promised me you'd finish this as long as I wasn't afraid of the light, but I came to the light. And then in the scripture, it also says that, that 
this light now lives in us, and he says, go and shine, that men may glorify your Father in heaven when they see your good deeds. And so the very thing that he is, he puts inside of us so that we might do the very same thing that he did. So as they come around, they're going to be um, lighting your candles, but I just want to pray. Father, we praise you and thank you. Jesus, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for exposing to us who the Father is and how you feel about us. We receive that love this morning. If there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that your presence would be made heavy on them on this day and that you, that you would speak to them and that you would make your love known. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for, for making your home in us. Thank you for teaching us how to shine. We praise you. Thank you so much for, for building a room on the Father's house for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading and guiding us. Jesus, thank you for dying on behalf of us. We receive that this morning and we say thank you. Thank you for putting all the big gifts and all the big promises in front of us. We receive them in Jesus' name. Amen.
keep that one. And then when we do, just lift it up real high. Sing on silent night. Silent night. Son of God. Love's pure Are you guys excited? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, and just reflecting on that story, it's like Jesus, Jesus gives us a bar because he knows that we can hit it, and he speaks to us in a way to cause us to actually rise to the occasion. Isn't that good news? When I was younger in the faith, I used to read some of these things, and I felt like, oh, who am I? He's the one who's called me, and he's the one who says I can do it, and he's the one that invites me into this journey with him. And I, I don't know what you guys' plans are in 2024, but my plan is to get better at everything I spoke at today. It's to become more faithful. It's to become more humble. It's, it's to become a servant. It's to become... It's to paint this life in a better way to present to him on that day. Amen? And I'm glad I get to do it with a group of people. And if you're a guest and, and, man, and you're like, hey, I want to get on that. Well, you can get on it with us. That's what we're going to focus on. So I just bless you. Let's close our eyes. Father, we, we, we bless every person. We bless every child. Let, let, this, let this time right now, let Christmas just be a place where we devote ourselves to you in the same way you devoted yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, guys. Have a great Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future sermons. Stay connected with us by following us on Instagram and Facebook or visit praiseyork.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you soon.